0: I'm Cutter Calloway, and today we're breaking the marriage idol with Andre Henry. Andre is a musician, a writer, and theologian working at the intersection of faith, racial justice, and social change. Shake your feet while you sing and fit all your dreams. I have this book coming out, and then you get this new job at this new place, Um, and Uh it happens to be an organization that identifies as a Christian organization, and you post a a Facebook post about like the very first, I think, conversation you have on the ground has to do with this, so I I wondered if maybe you'd open with just sort of telling that story (laughs) and how you experienced it. What was it like to be in that situation, and was it surprising at all, or was it just more of the same?
1: Well... I um I don't remember how long I had been working, but it was pretty soon. And I I went to lunch with a few co a few coworkers, and um, it was all guys and everyone was married but <laughs> me. <laughs> and are you are you like younger, older, average age with the coworkers? Um. Yeah, I'm kind of in between. I think the youngest was 25 and the oldest was 36. So I was somewhere in the middle of there, um, uh, as far as the spectrum, you know, people sitting there. And everyone is married, and I don't really mind, you know, like I don't feel out of place or anything like that. But everyone starts talking about their lives with their wives and children and all this kind of stuff. And I'm just kind of quiet, like, eating barbecue because I have nothing to contribute to this <laughs> yeah. conversation. And so finally someone is just like, so Andre, are you married? And I said, no, I'm not. And I I can't remember like c- with complete accuracy, exactly what was said because this was months ago. But I do remember, I think, I think he asked something like, um, is that a, cause he wanted to ask me more about it. And so he wanted to know if it was a sore huh. thing, if it was uh-huh. a hard thing for me to talk about. I said, no, it's not hard for me to talk about. You know, I just, I don't have a strong desire to be married. And um, I think, uh, I can't remember the the order, but someone else at the table, one of my coworkers, was like, uh, do you want to be married? And I was Mm -hmm. like, I don't know. And he goes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> you, you do know or you do want to? they right? do want to. Like, oh, uh-huh. Just like really, just really confidently just kind of shut down the, you know, the story that I was telling about myself. Yeah. yeah. This person who just met me is just like, no, you do. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah. And you're like in your 30s. So you better like hurry up if you want to have kids, <laughs> you know, like you just. Just got to put that out there. And I remember I laughed. I burst out laughing because I was not, I might have expected that someone might think that I wasn't serious about not having a strong desire for marriage because, you know, I think that that's common. I think that most people might be like, oh, well, you probably just went through a bad breakup or you're mad at something mad at women or mad at God or something like I, I would expect that, but I wouldn't expect someone to just vocal vocally say to me, yeah. you do want to be married and you uh-huh. want to have kids and all that kind of stuff <laughs> and you should get started. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Well, I mean, it, it
0: says a lot because on the one hand you go, well, that's helpful because you're at least naming it. What I like sense and assume and feel is under, you know, that's not said, but is assumed. Um and so on the one hand you want to go well at least thanks for being honest um yeah. but on the other hand it's like well wait so you that is I'm not crazy you do treat me like that that is how you you uh, conceive of it
1: but you it, know it's crazy cuz i was thinking about coming back to the south and thinking like when i when i graduated from i went to bible college in yeah. Lakeland Florida about an hour away from Orlando and almost everyone that I know from college is married or divorced. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was just the thing that you did, right? Like we were in Bible college and everybody was trying to find someone to marry before they graduated and myself included. Like, I mean, I wanted to, I really wanted to be married then. Yeah. And so i th- that's what I thought about coming back to the South was, man, like that's just kind of the, the culture. And yeah. so it was so funny to experience that moment because just like you said, like the thing that is in the air you Know because before then I hadn't really encountered it that strongly, <laughs> but that was one of those moments where it's like, Oh, yeah, back in the South. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, I mean, there's all these you know, like kind of cultural differences, and, and later I want to get to maybe some racial differences too, which would be interesting to hear you talk about. Um, but say a bit about gender because because you know, you, your story is you're with a bunch of guys, yeah. Um, and 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 it strikes me as some of the women that I've talked to and, and have contributed to the book, um, obviously. Uh face this sort of normative pressure or these sort of narratives that are assumed or not in a different way um so do you th- do you think there is kind of like a gender bias or or just a difference between how a single man and a single woman would would encounter those sort of stories?
1: Yeah, I think that women encounter this kind of like, Oh, you're not married yet, what's wrong with you mm-hmm. like I think I think people think something's something's up with a woman if she hasn't been married yet mm-hmm. um, there's, you know, like they need to validate, they need to validate that they're worthwhile human beings by a man putting a ring on them, which is kind of like a stamp of like Mm -hmm. this woman is worthwhile. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't feel that kind of thing, uh, as a man in general, I like no one, no one ever really asks me, okay. People may ask me if I'm married, but if I say no, I feel no kind of awkwardness about yeah, it, yeah. you know, like they don't give me any kind of vibe. Um, but that kind of thing where it's like, when you're just with a bunch of people, you know, and you're, you're kind of a, a minority in a sense, like you said, yeah, like yeah. most, most people in the church are single. I felt that at Fuller, I felt like it was hard to build friendships hmm. with people because most of the people that I knew were in a different stage of life yeah. than me. Yeah. And that stage of life was that they had their own family Yeah, and coming back to Orlando that's also been the case too. Like there are a lot of single women at relevant, you know, mm-hmm. and, but they're not a lot of single men. And mm-hmm. so when it comes and it comes down to like, actually, I think there might be two single, no, there are three single men that I know of at work relevant and I'm one of them. Mm-hmm. And so like hanging out, like is a thing, like most of the guys, if, if I wanted to hang out with the guys, most of them can't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because they they have their families to go home to and go home to and take care of and spend time with and all that. So that's the way that I feel that I think as as a gender thing is more uh, uh, systemic isn't the word, I guess.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's interesting because it, it, as I'm hearing you talk about it, it sounds in some ways um, that makes sense to me as as, as, how, as I look at the landscape that you've got okay, you still have the sort of pressure, or the expectations, or someone saying, of course you want to get married, don't lie to yourself, um, <laughs> but it's interesting because it's not necessarily the, the the guilt or fault or whatever you want to call it isn't sort of internalized or placed on you. It's more like you, you have some choice or agency in it, right? Like it's, a, oh, well, just when you come to your senses, you'll change your mind, whereas if you were a woman... Um, as I understand it, in, in many ways, both they themselves struggle with this and then others are placed, like blaming them almost. Um, like, yeah.
1: People just assume that I haven't
0: made a exactly, decision. Yeah. Right?
1: yeah. But, but people assume that women haven't been chosen. Yeah. And so you're flawed
0: or you're failed in some, yeah. some weird, significant way or something. Um, yeah. That's, that's pretty fascinating. And then it complicates, the, the other thing I'm hearing is it complicates just basic sort of friendship dynamics. So so how how yeah. do you th- – we don't really have that mechanism for saying, okay, how do I build genuine friendships with married men? But then also, right. how do I have uh, genuine friendships with other single women, whether it's at work or not, without all of that pressure of everyone just assuming, oh, you guys are just sort of like – pre-dating or what, you know, (laughs) whatever it is, or, or all of the weird uh, things you have to navigate, um, simply because you're single and the assumption is, well, you're just people looking to get married. Um, and so in both ways, it's like, you can't really make
1: friends with either group. Yeah. It makes it awkward because like, I mean, I like, I like the women that work at relevant too. You know, I think that they're, I mean, everyone that I work with is really great. Um, but there's a difference between like me saying, Hey John, do you want to get you want to go to happy hour after yeah. work, you know, and be saying, hey, Bridget, do you yeah. want to go to the happy hour after work? You yeah. Know? yeah.
0: Well, and not to mention, I mean, now it, you add to it sort of the cultural dynamic um, of, you know, uh, workplace harassment and these other things that um, are really important um, for people to uh, be aware of, uh, especially for for men and sort of the toxic masculinity that's, that's apparently, uh, pervasive in all industries and in all, play, you know, and, yeah. and 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 you and I being, you know, a similar sort of demographic age-wise, um, we we were walking into sort of these industries that uh, apparently the generation before us, man, they were a bunch of sexists and, and like <laughs> they were doing crazy things and like, wait, what? And so we're also right. battling all those sort of the 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 voices and narratives we've inherited. Um, yeah. I, it'd be interesting to hear. So, you—I I didn't know you went to Bible college. Were you raised in a, a Christian context?
1: Yeah, I—I I, I was raised in church. So, and um, and I went to Bible college and all that. My family isn't like super religious, but I—my grandma took me to church when I was young, and I—I I loved being at church, and so I spent all my time there. And then went to Southeastern University in Lakeland, Florida. Hmm. Um, and studied theology there. Yeah. So pretty much been in church most of my life.
0: So if if that's the case, then um, you, you have really a good inside track on this, right? So yeah. how would you describe, um, so you've kind of shared a story, a narrative of it. How, how would you describe growing up in that sort of context? What was the story about marriage and singleness that you inherited from that community?
1: Yeah. Um, Well, I would say that marriage seemed like the ultimate experience, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you haven't really lived, or your life starts when you get married. I think that's the best way to say it, is like, the fun really begins when you get married, and... It became like this thing that it's like an, it's. I want to say it's almost eschatological, oh, right? Wow. Right, like you've been to seminary, <laughs> <laughs> but like this is like, like I said, like the the ultimate yeah. goal, yeah. right? This is this is the moment that we're waiting for, mm. the climax of your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's the thing that every every girl in youth group and every every girl, every female student at Southeastern is praying for <laughs> mm-hmm. <clears throat> and that I myself was you know really after, you know. And all the pastors that you see are married, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. And they all have they all have kids and they all have wives and they talk about them in their sermons and you know, they they talk about how their first ministry is to their family and hmm. to their wives and all this kind of stuff. And Joshua Harris is publishing books uh-huh. about, you know, not dating, but still the reason that he's not dating is for his wife yeah. one day, yeah. <laughs> You know, uh, which is, I never said it that succinctly and that why, why how didn't I catch that before? <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you're right. That's one of the things of like, wait, you're you're so committed to your wife that you're going to
1: not date. How, where will she come from? Um, and, and and that was the thing. It was just like, I think that talking about marriage as an idol really accurately describes my experience of thinking about marriage as a teenager and a, a young adult because it I personally kind of obsessed about it, uh, you yeah, know, yeah. just one day there's going to be this great moment of love and it is going to redeem all of my previous my previous experiences of, um, you know, heartbreak and validate me as a person. Okay. And I am going to be able to flourish into my true and mature self. Within the context of that relationship, and that's why I said that it's almost eschatological. Yeah. Oh yeah, because all those things sound like, oh, it's the age to come. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in the present, <laughs> or at the very least,
0: it's the it's the telos, right? It's the it is the end right. that that we are being drawn toward ultimately. Um, yes, and isn't that interesting too? I mean, you're you're naming some of those things that uh, some of them are explicitly stated. So sometimes they're like books, uh, you know, that that say these things. In other cases, it's the it's sort of the climate of a, of a college or a church or whatever that even if no one comes out and says it, or maybe they say it jokingly, you know, like, what is it, the, the MS degree or something that, that people, yeah, you know, those yeah. sort of things where it's like, wait, that's kind of serious. That's not a joke. You you really are here. And um and it's, it's like, you just, you breathe it in. You don't even know it or realize it until you, I don't know if you get out of it, but you kind of look back and go, oh, wow, that was a sort of um, an idolatry yeah.
1: really. Um, and again, I, yeah, oh, go know. ahead. But you kind of feel it in yeah. In the things that people Say right like I remember I'm gonna, I am I want to start with I want to tell, tell two examples but one is More recent than college It was while I was in Pasadena hmm. Or yeah I was living in LA But going to a church that had a really large Young adult group yeah. And just in passing One of the Preachers would constantly like take these little Jabs at men <laughs> Like he just slipped something in there, and I think he was preaching from Ecclesiastes. And this is a feat. The thing I'm going to tell you, it's like, <laughs> it's amazing that he got this in there because I don't think Ecclesiastes talks Ecclesiastes talks about dating very much, <laughs> from my from my recollection. But somehow he just kind of slipped in there. Or you know, there's a guy, but he's too passive to just ask you out. You know, you're, <laughs> you're... and like he would always take those little jabs of like men being too passive, which. I mean, Christian dating is kind of like, I saw a meme that was like, the story of Christian dating is like, boy likes girl, girl likes boy, boy says nothing, girl (laughs) says nothing, (laughs) (laughs) nothing happens. You know, Uh, it's super accurate. But on the, so that's kind of like the culture, right? It's like, you can be preaching from any passage whatsoever and somehow like dating is relevant to it. Um, But in college, the other, which is kind of the complete opposite was someone said from the stage on the platform, you should be preparing for your marriage just as intently, if not more, uh, as you're preparing for your profession. Hmm. And I took that really, I took that to heart. Um, After he said that, I went and talked to, you know, just about any man that was a leader at my college uh, that was married to say, hey, like, Dr. So and so said this, and I think I want to do that. You know, how can you help me? Hmm. And I read every book that I could about Uh marriage and dating. And, you know, so like a lot of times, I mean, not anymore because that was years ago, you know, over a decade ago, but there was a time when any, just about any Christian book about dating or marriage that people would mention, I'd be like yeah I read that it was real man I,
0: I invited you on as the wrong kind of expert this, this, if only I had known you were so well versed in Christian dating literature uh, this conversation would be a little different but um, so oh, pause there because that's that's a really important uh, point of of this sort of whole kind of uh, subculture industry about Christian dating and, and that idea of preparing for your wife, um, I mean, that that's the thing you should prepare for. And saying that to a bunch of single Christian people, um, or mm-hmm. preparing for your spouse, I should say, because obviously that person's speaking of both uh, genders, But um, but then right. to say to not even in that say well what happens if you have an extended season of singleness whether chosen or not you know um what what does it mean to be single between now and then and is there any sense in which you should be preparing for that right um that's that's to me i look i look back at some of those voices and i go wow i, I mean what what was that sort of vision of life that they had for us um, that suggested so confidently that we're just going to be married.
1: I mean, any, any idea that you were going to be single was pessimism. Oh yeah. Right. It was like you were cursing yourself by, <laughs> by thinking that way or talking that way. You know, I loved how, you know, everyone's just like, yeah, there's someone out there for you Oh yeah. you know, in college. There's someone out there for you. They, yeah, everyone, there's someone for everyone and all this kind of thing. And I was thinking about, like, I mean, I'm a theology major, so I mean, I was one of those theology majors that thought that you should read the Bible. and mm-hmm. so I remember like, um, you know, thinking of people like Paul and Jeremiah and Ezekiel mm-hmm. and Jesus and you know, these people who never marry yep. <laughs> and, and thinking we we never talked about their singleness. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it just wasn't an option, yeah, not to mention their comments about marriage and singleness. You know, yeah. I mean, like Paul specifically saying, "Yeah, I'd I'd recommend singleness." It's like, what do we do with that? You know, um, yeah. we change that to your primary thing should be prepare for marriage, right? Somehow that yeah. that gets in there. Um, as you think, so what's interesting too is the, you know one of the reasons that I thought it'd be interesting to hear you talk on this, you know, again now I know you're an uh, expert in this domain, um, <laughs> but I also thought with your your new uh, position, so now you're at this this place, right? That is um, mm-hmm. a media company. Um, I think I even got a quote of how they self-identify uh, reaching uh, Christian millennials through magazine, web podcasts, and video covering faith, culture, social justice, and living intentionally, right? So, okay. Um, b- basically, you're kind of now this professional cultural maven, right? <laughs> that, 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 <laughs> that, that, that you, or at least you represent, or you're supposed to be on this leading edge of here's where... Here's where sort of culture is, right? And how how the 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 Christian community might respond to that or make sense of it. So what would what would you say if, if you have a, sort of that, that one narrative that you received from the church, if you're kind of just doing a, a, a temperature check of culture at large, what what are the stories there about marriage and singleness? Um, and I mean, are they the same? Are they different?
1: How do you experience those? I think that attitudes toward marriage have drastically changed. I mean, I I say, I think, but I think that's common knowledge, right? Is that there was a time when, like we said, like the option to just be single was kind of like the option to be an atheist in the (laughs) ancient world. Like it just wasn't, (laughs) you know, that wasn't a thing that you did, you know? Um, and if you did, then how weird are you? Yeah, You know, like, probably so weird that we should run you out of town yeah. and the atheist part, you know, but, um, that just makes me think of like the witch trials, you know, uh, <laughs> like what if we had single trials or
0: something like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they, dunk him underwater again. If he drowns, then well, he's true. But yeah,
1: I'm thinking of the Monty Python yeah. <laughs> sk- sketch, except for they're like, nobody loves him. <laughs> you know? um, oh. But attitudes toward marriage have, and relationships in general have have just changed it culturally you know there people see a lot more options and some of those options include um you know and i'm, I'm not a proponent of any of these things so i just want to make sure, sure that somebody who hears this knows that i'm not saying that anyone should be in a relationship like this i'm just saying that these are options for a lot of people yeah. so some of some of those options are you're you're describing the landscape exactly you know so some of those options are being in an open marriage some of those options are being polyamorous some of those options are you know you know and and every and some of those options are being asexual you know um and I, i wouldn't necessarily say that i know that from the inside so saying talking about that as an option is not probably not the most accurate language, but there's some people who don't have strong desires to be in romantic relationships at all, yeah. you know, yeah. and don't have strong desires for sexual um, relationships and things like that. And we live in a society where those things are not necessarily considered uh, weird in the or strange in a sense that they would have been, you know, mm-hmm. decades ago. Like it's, we're, we're entering or we are, I think, in a time where people living in a way that seems honest to them, that feels honest to them, feels natural mm-hmm. to them, is something that people are are advocating for, saying, you know, people should be able to live according to truth as they see it.
0: And as you then think back on on then that sort of the subculture question, my sort of take um, is at least for so for me as when i was younger when i was growing up in sort of this christian subculture uh you know similar to what you described uh, i i think the you know the, the leaders that i was under the whether it's pastors or just you know thoughtful christians or other people that cared about me i i think they wanted to offer an alternative to what society at large right and, and it was far more demonized than I'd like, I would like to do that. But, Mm -hmm. you know, like this, this sort of scary thing, they were saying, we want to offer you this alternative. But my read of it of it was that actually, they're doing the exact same thing, but they're just adding Jesus. (laughs) Um, And so it makes it way worse. Um, Is, are we still doing that? Or or are there differences? Or is it still kind of like when you go then back to a, a pretty Christian context? um is it is it still kind of what you're describing that it's it's about sort of authenticity being true to yourself um but jesus
1: i think that uh, a while back when i was okay so a part of my story is that i moved to new york city after college like 3 weeks after college so i went from kind of no name town florida <laughs> to you know one of the most progressive places you could live in America. And then I moved to Los Angeles. And so, encountering people outside of the Christian bubbles that I grew up in and that I uh, lived in taught me a lot about, oh, this is how normal people, I talk talk about Mm -hmm. non-Christian people as normal people. Yeah, the normals, yeah. Because Christians are supposed to be peculiar people. Yeah, yeah. So, this is how normal people think about life. All right, so in college, I would say yes. It felt like the images and messages that I got about culture—I mean, about love and relationships and marriage—were the same messages that I got in church and in Christian college, but with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so I watched I watched Aladdin as a as a kid <laughs> and saw how you know Aladdin and Jasmine have this literally magical love relationship
0: whole new world baby yeah
1: you know and I thought that one day I would find my princess Jasmine mm-hmm. and we would live happily ever after and at church I learned that God created my princess Jasmine mm-hmm. and she was out there somewhere and all I had to do was trust God and pray and all that other kind of thing and you know, make a list and ask God for those things and whatever else, you know, whatever whatever I said to do, but that God would bring that same kind of thing. And that was my experience then. Hmm. Now, and this is kind of where also my position comes in as someone who reads a lot of articles from people who are writing about love and relationships, has a lot of books that come across my desk about loves and love and relationships and stuff like that. And those are on different levels, right? So I have people who... Are, who yeah, have, there's mine, which is at the highest level. Right, exactly. And There's everybody yeah. else. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's a it's a strict binary. Like it's, it's, <laughs> but but you but you, I think you know where I'm going with that. Yeah, there, yeah. there are people with degrees with publishers that send me books about relationships, and then there is a 16 year old in high school that also sends me an article about relationships. Yeah. yeah. Against you know something that against you know people. Uh, cultural artifacts like uh, HBO's insecure yeah right? or or shameless or something like that right and those these are not the same <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. these these cultural ideas about love and relationships that I see in shows like the ones that I mentioned or new girl or any you know mm-hmm. any of those mm-hmm. things oh have you watched you're the worst. Yeah, it's a, it's an extremely complicated view of love. It's hmm. these it's these two that are just two very broken people who meet each other, like each other, don't trust the construct of being in a relationship <laughs> and but really like each other and they're trying to do this in a way that feels safe for them. Hmm. And so they are Their relationship is not one of those things where it's like, okay, you have this Joshua Harris version of uh, Joshua Harris circa whatever that year that was that he wrote, I could stating goodbye. I think it's late 90s, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Which is do not date, ask God for a spouse, wait until that spouse jumps out of a burning bush at you. (laughs) Um, And there you are, marriage, ta da. And then you have a picture of something like, so, okay. The point that I was making was that it's kind of like there's not really a process of yeah. of getting into a relationship in that view, but you have something like you're the worst, where everything is completely murky. Yeah. They're connecting, they're getting to know each other, they move in together, and they don't feel comfortable, you know, saying that they're together. In fact, okay. uh, in fact, there's one episode where. And I might, I might not remember this exactly, but one of the, one of the characters in this relationship, I think they, they might have met up with an ex and made out with them or something like that. Hmm. And she goes back and she tells him and he's like, oh, well, I'm going to go out and make you jealous or whatever. And she's like, yeah, go ahead. You know, (laughs) go ahead and do it. And it becomes like a competition, you know? Uh, And I'm not saying that this is how people really live their lives, but People do have more of an openness yeah. about what those relationships can look like, and so these are completely different messages that I see hmm. in the world. And I, I just used a I just used a TV show, but I, I could also speak, you know, just from personal experience. Like I've I've been in I've been in a relationship where you know I meet someone, we start talking, we're dating, you know, and things are un- undefined. It's murky. And then something like a move happens, you know, I've moved a lot, (laughs) as I've said in this interview, you know, and so I move and we're talking and it's like, well, you have a need for intimacy and I don't want to keep you from doing that because I'm on the other side of the country and she feels the same way. And, you know, someone has before said, well, I mean, I, maybe we could be in an open relationship, Hmm. you know, and I don't really like that. And I don't really like that idea either, but it came up, you know, and so we didn't decide to do that, but it was it was an option that was put on the table that you know fourteen year old me would have <laughs> died if I, had, I I wouldn't have even known what that was. I didn't know that yeah. was a concept. So all that to say, these are completely different yeah. messages that I'm seeing in culture versus yeah. in Christian culture.
0: Well, it's interesting. I mean, one of the things I do in the book is I talk about Disney princesses, actually, and um, and mm-hmm. Taylor Swift music and the Bachelor and mm-hmm. Bachelorette, right? As yeah, sort of pop cultural premarital counselors, and, yeah. and, and sort of my read of it. And, and actually, it was really interesting uh, walking through Taylor Swift's you know collection because you know she a bunch of people grew up with her, right? Like she started as sort yeah. of a, a teenager kind of prodigy and then writes a bunch of hit right. songs and 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 she writes all about romantic love, right? Um, and what I find interesting about her music is it's it's really pretty cynical now. Um, uh, she, she's super uh. into love still, or romance or whatever that is, but it's the 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 assumption simply is this will fail, right? Like like i mm. I long for that connection, that intimacy, that you know, that that love and romance brings. Um, but at the end of the day, I know it's going to be bad. So the best thing that I can hope for is that we're still like in relationship you know like we still aren't enemies at the end of it right um yeah. and i think wow that's that's really fascinating because on the one hand it still is drawn toward as you're saying that eschatological vision of of sort of romance or relationship but it's super cynical now about it that it's it's not going to deliver right with just it's not going right? yeah. to come through and so that's why you get all this murkiness and and maybe why you get a show that's that's not even like they're even allergic to even saying we're in a relationship because of how how weighted with baggage that
1: becomes. Yeah. I think that that's a story of so many in culture. I think that that describes like, I, most of my friends are, are children of divorce. You know, I I myself am as well. You know, I have a bunch of siblings and only one is married. She got, Mm -hmm. she just got married like last year or the Mm -hmm. year before, something like that at 30, uh, not 30, 40. And, um, You know, everyone else in my family is either a single parent or divorced or never been married. And so I just haven't seen a lot of marriages work out. The people that I've seen that are married are miserable. The married (laughs) married people that I know, most of them want to be single. And most (laughs) of the single people that I knew growing up wanted to be married. Mm -hmm. And so I think that describing, you know, someone like Taylor Swift's journey or, you know, You're the Worst is like we have seen and experienced so much relational brokenness. Mm -hmm. That it's just hard for us to look at marriage with that idyllic point of
0: view, yeah. Yep. Which, and to me, you know, as I get back to then thinking about, okay, well, here's what the church offers. Like, are how are we being odd, and that you know we're not normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a, there's a good part of that. Yeah. Um, how do we, you know, uh, how do we speak constructively, faithfully into our lives as a community, recognizing that number one. A huge portion, if not the majority, are actually single at various stages. But then that the relationship of marriage is really hard and unsustainable in a lot of ways. Uh-huh. Um, and and <laughs> to encourage people to to get married to solve, you know, as you're saying, like any issue that you have, it's just it's it's doubly bad, you know, for a relationship that's already really difficult to to manage. Um, yeah. And and one of the things that that at least I received growing up was uh, a lot uh, of the conversation about sexuality, like purity. Right. And that was Mm. back to the Joshua Harris thing. That was one of his concerns of like, how do I, how do I maintain my, my sexual integrity as a single person? That's kind of why he went the route that he did. Um, and, and that somehow the, the marriage relationship will solve all of those issues as well. Um, and so it is weird or not weird. It's, it's, I think a challenging time now for us to say, okay, if we recognize that this sort of idolatry doesn't work, um, what do we do? And, and one of the, I don't know, have you seen this HBO documentary? There's something bigger than Elvis. Does that ring a bell to you? It's pretty fascinating. It's on YouTube. It's open source. Um, but it's a short little, like 30 minute doc. Um, it's about this woman, um, named Dolores Mm -hmm. who apparently was sort of a, a kind of Hollywood up-and-coming starlet, and starred uh, across Elvis Presley in a couple things. Um, really young, and then, and she wasn't a person of faith of any kind. I don't believe. Um, and then, for some reason, I think went on just like a a, a break, and happened to go to this uh, um, a convent, right, for a, like a retreat. Uh-huh. It turned out to be this sort of spiritual awakening, and she decided to become a nun. Um and so the documentary is now she's um uh, older and and the documentarians are like they they don't even know what to do with her cuz they're like wait how did you what did you give up to be now take these vows of celibacy um and and you could tell the documentary or documentarian Really, mm-hmm. that was their main interest of like how did you go from a woman who was having sex <laughs> to a woman who vowed not to? And it you right. know, and I guess with Elvis, you know, I don't know if that was the, the end of the sentence <laughs> but, um, and and they just they couldn't even they there's no like framework that they could make sense of this. And it was this fascinating thing. So you get all these nuns together. they're interviewing them all. So that was the similar question they had for them, just in general. how do you this it was like this weird, exotic thing for the filmmakers to say, what is this bizarre lifestyle? And it was, I thought, really fascinating because all of the nuns get together and they start talking about how they come together and do um, kind of communal singing, right? They they sing together. Um, And you have these nuns who have taken vows of basically, I'm married to Jesus, um, is how they will talk about it. And they're articulating, they're saying, when I get together with my sisters and we sing, it is a sexual and sexually fulfilling thing. Hmm. Um And then you have some, you know, and these are, uh, you know, they're being sort of sassy in some ways, but they're like, and that's far deeper and more fulfilling than any sort of thing that a man could do for me. Um, hmm. You know, and, and again, it's like, wait, what? So I wonder for you, so you're single, you're in your thirties, you're a musician, right? So, I mean, it's yeah. like, you're, you're sort of, you know, music in this way, you, you know, the Christian community. Do you buy that? <laughs> what the nuns are saying, like, <laughs> my, you know, so because I'm thinking, like, what do we do for for the church and all this stuff? And it's like, oh, well, this would be this great idea of, like, what if we got single people to sing together? Um, don't yeah. they realize that's a greater fulfillment sexually than anything, you know? But then I go, wait a minute, hold on now. What do you actually think about that? Is that does that make sense to you? Does it ring true? Are there those things um, that that could fulfill you in those ways that wouldn't be actual sex?
1: I. I don't think, okay, I have to be careful how I say this because (laughs) I think that there are things in life that are actually better than sex. Yeah. But I don't think that there are things that fulfill me in a sexual way that are not sex. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think that sex has its own box. <laughs> sure, sure. You know, I mean, but then I mean, and I, and when I say that, I mean that in the physical sense, yeah, right? Like, sexuality. Sexuality is something larger than that. But but like, if we're talking about like a if we're talking about a an orgasmic experience mm-hmm. then i think that we're talking then that that's what it is you know that's what sure. that is yeah. um but i will say i <laughs> i stopped dating for a, for a long time yeah. <laughs> uh, for me anyway you know a, few, a couple of years and just didn't have any interest in doing that and i remember the last time that i did like i sat down you know, i met a lunch with with this woman and I asked her what's the best feeling in the world uh, and immediately she turned the question on me and hmm. she I was like well the best feeling in the world to me is knowing that I've helped somebody and I meant that yeah, I, yes. I, like I I have a passion for justice and that is the yeah. thing that yeah. drives me and when I asked her what is the best feeling in the world for her she was like sex um, <laughs> you know and so, I guess when you ask that question, that's what I think of because yeah. I genuinely feel like me reading about social change and trying to pursue that and educating people about social change as much as I can and fighting for justice in my neighborhood, like those things fulfill me in yeah. a very deep, 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 deep way. Um, but I wouldn't say that, like, I would do that instead of masturbate. You know, like, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I, just, I don't know if you want to, I, I don't think we should include that. But,
0: <laughs> what? That's that's going to be the lead. I'm not going to bury the lead.
1: I don't know how else to say that, though. No, like, no, it's
0: it's a good point. I mean, because part of the the challenge, I think, what you're getting at is, on the one hand, is just the you know the most bald faced, crass way of putting it is, orgasm, the ultimate sort of, well, the telos again, is it the ultimate experience of, of the human condition? Right. That's one question. Another question is, are things, as let's assume, as you and I, it sounds like, kind of agree, that the answer is no. In fact, there are things that are far more deeply meaningful and uh, fulfilling than that. However, yeah. um, is there something about sexuality that only sex gives or provides, right? Um and and I think that's that is a a a related question, but you're you're right. You're not you're trying to uh you know arrive at a the same end through different means. You're you're gonna be kind of unsuccessful. Um right.
1: I think that if someone were to ask like let's I'm I'm gonna say a genie because I don't think Jesus would ever do this to me. Okay. But a genie appears in my room and is like, okay Andre, I'm gonna give you a choice. Well I guess Okay, we're gonna stick with genie. Okay. I, I, I second guessed it for a second, but I think genie's the way to okay. go. Okay,
0: we we'll just say genie. Not genie not Jesus.
1: No, <laughs> but a genie is like okay, Andre, you have two choices. This is how your life is gonna play out, but you get to choose. Um, you can pursue social justice, and you will actually see the end of racism. Hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna help you and it's gonna magically happen because I can do magic. And mm-hmm. you you make this decision and all racism appear disappears from the world forever. But you'll never have an orgasm if you choose this. <laughs> right? Or <laughs> you can get married. Mm-hmm. And you are and, and this marriage is gonna be perfect, right? Mm-hmm. Like not like not like the average marriage that every preacher is trying to warn you not to, yeah, do, yeah, not yeah. to, not to have, because every preacher tells you how terrible, how terribly difficult marriage yeah, is. Yeah, not that kind yeah. of marriage. Your marriage is going to be perfect. You're not going to argue. You're going to have perfect communication. And you guys are going to have an insatiable sexual appetite mm-hmm. and endless stamina. Everything, right, is perfect. But they still going to be racist in the world. Hmm. <laughs> this is a mean genie. <laughs> yeah. Now you have to choose. <laughs> mm. you, you don't have the option to just be like, things are fine. Yeah. Your life is going to take one of these, right. One of these directions. So you have to choose. I would not choose a perfect marriage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you know, I would, I would choose the end of racism, yeah. you know? Um, even though like, that's a hard choice, right? Like you're never going to, you're not going to be married. You're not going to have sex. You're never going to have an orgasm, but (laughs) you know, and so I think that's, I think that's what I think of. Like when we say like, what is the best experience in the world? And so like, like, like we're talking about, like, there are things that are deeply meaningful that I feel like are better than sex, you know, but they don't touch the same place, you know? I think I have a story that kind of brings that is kind of closer to that for me, though. Like, whereas, like, music is not, I mean, music is sexual, but it doesn't, it's not sexually fulfilling. Yeah. And I'd like to expand that to just talking about what is relationally fulfilling. You know, what's, you know, music isn't touched that place for me, but the marriage idol for me, the idol of being married was really particularly harmful for me because I was engaged. Eight hmm. Years ago,
0: oh, okay.
1: Um, and like I said, I had this idea that love was going to be this redemptive, transfigurative experience, hmm. and so when I was engaged, all of that hope was put on my fiance, yeah, you know, um, which is unfair, which was unfair to her, yeah, um, and I expected you know like i had a lot riding on this yeah. you, know? <laughs> like, you know and when it didn't happen i mean i was suicidal hmm.
0: mm-hmm. because
1: i mean, all of that meaning was supposed to be in that thing yeah but i had i had uh, two friends i had my friends eric and ashley who are married now and have two kids and i remember sitting on eric's couch they weren't married yet i was sitting on eric's couch almost every day Uh, Eating almonds and oranges Because they're supposed to help with depression (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know that Yeah, Now you know (laughs) Um, They're supposed to help with depression And just just being there Not necessarily even wanting to talk Or being able to talk and stuff like that But you know All that and I came out of that experience Feeling like The love of my friends Is enough Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um I may not ever have that experience, that eschatological transfigurative experience. Hmm. And I learned that I can be okay without having, without being in love, if I had friends like Eric and Ashley.
0: Hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who are married, you said, that's a their husband and wife? Yeah, they well, are. Yeah. So yeah. even that's interesting. It's not even just um, if you have friends who are also single and in the same situation, but this sort of c- right. this rich sort of community m- that contains both those who are married and those who are single. And
1: Right. I mean, their kids are my God, are my God. Kids. Yeah. They're, like, they're like my nephews, yeah. right? You know, like, and I can be Uncle Andre to them, you know, even if I don't have kids, you know, and um. Yeah, it is exactly like you said, you know, it's not just people who are with me who can gripe about being single or, you know, you know, just share that same experience from the inside with me and walk alongside me, but they are, they have their own community, their own family, you know, and in some ways, um, speaking, some ways having friends who are married, you know, is more enriching for me. Yeah.
0: I mean that's you know my my hope just as a as a married man and then as a church leader both formally as like professionally but then now as a lay leader um, sort of my hope for us is that we we can adjust in some ways that that cultivate that right I mean because so many of our our ministries are the ways that we structure sort of church life doesn't doesn't encourage that right like we yeah. we kind of encourage segregation um, yeah. and and uh, people. You know, having these sort of either demographic or sort of life, uh, what would it be sensibilities. That's how we kind of organize people. Um, and and again, I'm not like anti, like a singles ministry or something. But but in a certain sense, I'm like, wow, that maybe I am anti that. Like maybe there is a sense in which we need something different. Um, and I, I do think along the lines of of justice too. Of of how do we yeah. cultivate a new sort of orientation, new telos. It doesn't say for all those who are apart here, your ultimate goal is marriage. Your ultimate goal is yeah. a sort of flourishing sexual life. Um, it's instead yeah. some other goal, and, and maybe it has multiple different facets. I wonder, um, yeah. and, and you brought it up, and 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 uh, maybe kind of my last question for you, you can riff on, and, and you addressed it some. Um, but one of the things that, that I have asked people um. On the podcast is to just say, what what can I not see about this, right? Um, and as I was hearing you talk about this this genie, um, this cruel <laughs> genie, um, you went in a different direction from me, and that's where I was like, oh wow, that's 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 an interesting way to think of it to to pit, you know, uh, racism versus orgasm, like. As you know, as a as a white dude, that wouldn't have been my first, you know, thought experiment. Um, but it was it was super instructive to think like, oh wow, this is a this is a perfect example of how when I get caught up in conversations about um, you know, sexuality or singleness of marriage, um, it's a privilege of mine to not have to think in those terms. Mm-hmm. Um and it's so helpful for me to hear you say even this concrete example of like well, yeah, I'm gonna pick end of racism, right? Like that's, and then I think back, I'm like, oh, why didn't I think of that first? <laughs> um, well, it's because I, you know, so it, I don't know if it's um, if it's a racial thing, if it's if it's something else, um, just that I've been married too long. Um, what would be something uh, that you would say a guy like me, and you can stereotype me too, um, yeah. can't see about this conversation? What is it that I need to hear? um, that I'm unable to hear right now simply because of who I am.
1: Hmm. Oh, that's a good question. I don't, I don't have to think about that for a second. Like what don't, like, like what things are married people missing, like about singleness? Yeah. And,
0: and, um, so yeah, so
1: maybe it's easier. So you don't feel like you're picking on me. <laughs>
0: uh, maybe people like me. So, um, yeah, a, a married, like I've been married for almost 20 years um, I've got kids, you know, uh, I'm Mm -hmm. busy, that sort of thing. Um, and I've got tons of single friends, right. Um, who are some of whom are Christian, some of who aren't, but, but I'm thinking more specifically about a church community. Um, maybe if you could say, what is it that we then need to hear
1: uh, from a person like you? Um, what is it that we just, we don't have the ears to hear? I think that something that I've been Noticing a lot, especially in my position at a, a very large and popular Christian media company, is that no one seems to be talking about the world that I'm actually living in. Hmm. Like, like I described earlier, people see a lot of options on the table, right? And me growing up in a more conservative evangelical tradition, you know, and my thoughts and beliefs have changed a lot over the years, but still like there are certain just kind of cultural expectations Mm -hmm. within the world and the tradition that I live in. There's certain boundary lines, even if they're tribal that when I'm out in the world just aren't the same, Mm -hmm. you know? So I'm not getting, I'm not getting a book in my office and we're seeing a book in the Christian living section that really gives me something that can actually help me navigate, you know, the world where everyone meets via a dating yeah. app, Yeah. you know? And so like, you know, when people talk to me, when married people talk to me about dating, like it's so simple, you know, <laughs> it's just, it's just like, Hey, just find a, just find a girl. And, you know, you know, you go out with her and, you know, And it's like, no, (laughs) it it actually is not that simple. Uh, For instance, right? A lot of my experiences early on, like in dating, were like at Christian college or something like that, right? And so the way that people would think about dating was through courtship. Uh, mm-hmm. Which Joshua Harris put us all onto, right? And mm-hmm. so, if you were dating, it was absolutely because you thought that this person could be your spouse. There's a lot of pressure mm-hmm. from the mm-hmm. beginning. Yeah, and you were only seeing that person, right? But I live in a world where some where if I met up with someone, it's because they happen to swipe right, right? Yeah, and when we meet up for the first time, it would be completely unrealistic to think that I'm the only guy that she's seeing. Right. Yeah. Even if I've seen her two, three, four times, you know, there's, mm-hmm. there's no mm-hmm. way for me to know that, you know? And so I live in a world where I kind of have to assume from the bat that the person that I'm dating is already is seeing other people. Right. Yeah. I don't know what their intentions are. I don't know what they really want. You know, are they looking for someone to have sex with? You know, Are they looking Mm -hmm. for a friendship? Are they looking to just date around, you know, and, you know, and for some people that means dating means all kinds of things, you know, some people that means all kinds of intimacy or physical intimacy, you know, and talking and spending a lot of time together. And that's, but that's how they're dating everyone that they're dating, you (laughs) you know? And so the terrain is just different, you know? And mm-hmm. I don't have things, I don't have things and resources that are coming my way that take mm-hmm. that for granted, you know. They speak about a world that Christians in my world are talking about dating still assumes, you know, these, these concepts about the way that people meet and the way that people connect and couple that are at least endangered. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I so faithfulness as a Christian, while trying to find a a life partner, is something that I don't feel like my generation is getting from church. You yeah. know. Hmm. And and
0: it's either uh, totally disconnected <laughs> or sort of a diatribe of how you're failing and uh
1: yeah because the advice that the advice and the tools and things that i feel like are being offered are things that maybe maybe people in the 1950s thought that way you know maybe people yeah, in, yeah. you know in some earlier time and maybe not always that far back but you know yeah. like with the advent of tools like or, or you know or solutions like Tinder, Bumble, Coffee Meets Bagel, yeah. OkCupid, all that kind of stuff, you know? And now Facebook. Yeah. The the cultural assumptions about the the rules of engagement are different. The, assumption, mm-hmm. the assumptions are different, you know? Huh. And so you might be seeing someone for six months every single day, and that person doesn't consider themselves in a relationship with you.
0: Yeah. You know? Wow. That that is pretty fascinating, um, and it makes me rethink. I should have. I need to rewrite the whole book. <laughs> <laughs> or or uh, maybe actually, as I've been saying with this book, all I need. Is like one prominent, outspoken Christian to be like, no one should ever read this book. No, you know, no, no, good Christian, no, no, good, no faithful good. Christian would read this book, and then I'll sell like a million copies. Yeah, exactly. Uh, maybe that, maybe that's you. Maybe, maybe uh, that's me. Oh. <laughs> Andre Henry says, um, "Well, that's. I mean, that's super helpful. Um, in part because, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's acknowledging one, we 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 had a sort of distorted view to begin with, um, but even and as we address that." Um, sort of defaming our idols or whatever. Part of what we need to do is um, be better cultural exegetes, right? Like be um, be better at 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 reading and interpreting and understanding what's actually in the in the sort of cultural um, ether yeah. um, before we can do anything
1: constructively at all. Yeah, because I meet, I mean, I meet a lot of Christians who just think we'll just create this little box where. You know, like, everything is just according to these really rigid standards, you know? But the dating pool is already small enough, right? Like, even with all of these solutions, you know, there's still a small percentage of people that you're going to be willing to date, right? Yeah. So, you know, like, one one given for a lot of Christians is that, uh, you know, you need to marry another Christian, Right Mm -hmm. Um, But (laughs) (laughs) You know Like and while I agree that like Having the same values Makes a relationship easier You know Sometimes it's not the position that people are in And sometimes Sometimes people have been Through a lot of crap With You know Christian partners or whatever Um, But anyway I'm saying like Mm. You don't. this is not it's not a great as great an example as I thought, because I don't want to seem like I'm telling people like, you know, just integrate marriage. Just do it. You know, <laughs>
0: <laughs> It's just we, there was a time when it was easier to say that than now.
1: Exactly. Because, yeah. I mean, you know, when you're when you're with someone and or you're you're seeing someone and you really like them. And you think that there could be a future because of who they are because of their character. But, you know, you know, they they feel like they're not monogamous. Right. Mm-hmm. I've never I've never seen a dating book that was just like that that addressed that, you know, like not not even necessarily how to make it work, but even just acknowledging that that yeah. is a thing that yeah. happens, you know, Um People think differently about monogamy. Not everyone thinks that monogamy is a natural thing and that it's possible and all that kind of stuff, you know. And so you might be meeting several people now. You know, this is not this is not like, oh well, one or two people that you date might might be that way. Like that might be five, six people, <laughs> you know, that yeah, you meet yeah. or whatever.
0: Man. Well, um, I know as a as I survey the landscape, um, and it's one thing to know about Tinder; it's another thing to like be judged by Tinder. <laughs> yes, and you know, I'm like, I, I, just, I emotionally wouldn't survive right now. So I keep telling my wife, I'm like, you can't die mainly because I wouldn't survive on Tinder. <laughs> I, I, I think, would not, it would not do well for me. Um, but uh, it does make me think. Uh, once you come out from uh, all of the deadlines of of publishing uh, that you're on, you should uh, you should write that book. Um, you should be the the person to say, "Hey, here's here's the way it is, people." Um, and <laughs> if
1: we just tell we got, the dirty truth,
0: about yeah, that. I, I mean, mean well, that and that's that's weird. such what 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 prophecy is, right? Like the prophetic voice is is really just naming reality for what it really is. Like, yeah. let's start there because we're so blinded to what's actually in front of us. Um, yeah. and, and it's easier to, to pretend like that's not the
1: case. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think there'd be huge value in it. Yeah. And I think I want to clarify, like what I think I was trying to say too, is like the terrain is not like we just have to adjust to it, but it is a pressure that we feel right. Like yeah, yeah. you live within those, con- within that context and yeah. you think like, man, like this isn't necessarily how I imagine doing things or how I want to do things or whatever. Yeah. But sometimes you look at that terrain and you say, well, I don't really know how else to navigate this. I don't really know how to walk through this, you know. And it doesn't seem like there's a lot of resources that assume that that is the world that we live in.
0: Thanks again to my special guest, Andre Henry. Follow him at Andre Henry on all the usual social media platforms. And as always, thanks to Dave Salah Thompson for providing us with these sweet musical stylings.